everyone. Hi. This is Melanie. This is Savvy Mom. And welcome to the Savvy Girls Podcast. Deborah is also on this episode, but she's not around to record the introduction, so we're just doing it. Mom and I are podcasting from Mom's Couch in St. Albert, Alberta, and Deborah is podcasting from her couch in New York, New York. So what is on this podcast? We are talking about plants. Plants and crochet and my trip a little bit to Scotland and Shetland knitting and Deborah is talking about her new car and <laughs> oh dear I know her new car and she does a book review and I don't I didn't listen to her whole segment to be honest I but then it will be a surprise it will be a surprise for, for all of us so sit back I don't know what you should do spear an olive with your knitting stick because I really could do an olive right now mm, I don't have olives but I've got pickles in the fridge done enjoy the show <laughs> And sometimes a girl just needs a pickle. Sometimes a girl just needs a pickle. And I said, hey, hey, it's just an ordinary day. And it's all your state of mind. At the end of the day, you just got to say it's all right. Hi, everyone. This is Deborah. It's been a while since I've been on the show, and I am so sorry for that. I know the last few years have been primarily Melanie, and it's not because I don't want to be podcasting. It's um, my work is busy, and I, well, I've just been finding it a little overwhelming. So I've um, not been on the show as often as I would like, but I'm here. I'm here now. Melanie is very busy. I know I said that in the introduction. Right now, she is in Edinburgh, and she is performing at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. She has two shows there, one kid's show and an adult's show. I don't know if she's told you, but let me tell you, she has been incredibly successful. The Fringe Festival is, especially in Edinburgh, is very competitive, and she has had bookers and reviewers at her show, and she's she's just doing wonderfully, and I'm so proud of her, and, and in between, she's going to charity shops and buying all sorts of wonderful Tweety clothing. So I'm also proud of her for that. But right now, she's not only is she performing and is she busy, but she's also exhausted and she's sick and she's losing her voice and she shouldn't be talking to anyone. Today I was chatting with her and since she wasn't, isn't supposed to be talking, I was talking and I started talking to her about my knitting and she didn't really want to hear it. And I thought, you know who does want to hear it? Podcast listeners. So here we are right now. Let me tell you a little bit about what I've been up to lately. And I know lately is quite a few months. My life day-to-day is very much a regular everyday day-to-day life. I get up, I go to work, I come home, I try to catch up on the dishes. I do a little shopping online, probably more often than I should. (laughs) And then I knit or I sew and I watch TV, usually bad TV, Yeah, and that pretty much captures it, and then I do it again the next day. But there's been a couple of big things going on recently, and the big, big thing is that I recently got engaged. I got engaged at the end of July, and my fiancé's name is Eric. I've talked about him before on the podcast, but he is very much a fan of my knitting. He's been the recipient of a hat and two pairs of socks, and he is thoroughly appreciative of every knitted gift and he finds it fascinating and impressive that I knit and that I spin and that I sew and I couldn't ask for somebody who is more supportive of the crafting 
Uh, that being said, he doesn't do it himself, and that's okay. He's allowed to do other things with his life, as long as he doesn't get in the way of my crafting. And it, he doesn't get in the way, and in fact, he, he likes it. It's unfortunate because he's a, he's a little bit, he's allergic to dogs, and sometimes finds that when I work with things like mohair, he doesn't always know that that's what's causing his nose and eyes to be itchy, but I notice that his nose and eyes get itchy when I'm sitting next to him working on, on those kinds, kinds of things, so I purposefully uh, work on projects involving mohair and angora. I work on them a little further away from him. But if that's the only thing getting in the way of my crafting, that's pretty good. I'm going to go back a little bit. In terms of other things that I've been up to, I took a work trip to Port-au-Prince, which is the capital city of Haiti, and I took that trip end of June, early July. I was there for a week. No, I think I might have been there for two weeks. I was there for two weeks. Port-au-Prince and Haiti in general is a difficult place. It really wasn't safe to go anywhere or do much. My The extent of my, my touring around in, in Port-au-Prince really involved walking from my, my little accommodation, which was actually a shipping container that had been converted into a mobile housing unit that was on the same property as my work. So I would go to work in the morning right across the parking lot. And then in the evenings, I'd go back to my mobile housing unit, my shipping container. One evening, I went to a colleague's house for dinner. And then I went to the grocery store three times. I thoroughly enjoyed the mangoes there. Mangoes. And then it was to and from the airport. And that's, or from the airport when I arrived and to the airport when I left. And that's the kind of the extent of what I saw in, in Haiti. I didn't, I, I don't have much to say about it, really, because I, it, it wasn't safe to, to do much there. But I got a lot of knitting done. And one of the things that I was working on was a test knit, primarily stockinette sweater, oversized sweater, a test knit for Hohi Locatelli. I had started working on it while I was on a small vacation that I took in beginning in June and then into July I finished it while I was there and then I also cast on for a scarf and I'm trying to remember the name of the pattern but it's kind of a standard pattern where you cast on in the round a certain number of stitches in the round and then you just work in the round and work in the round until you have a very long you provisionally cast on the stitches and then you work all the way till the beginning you know as so it's long enough and then you graft the initial stitches, the cast-on stitches, or the provisionally cast-on stitches with the end of stitches, and then you end up with a loop. And it's a double thickness loop. And I am knitting it out of Cherry Tree Hill uh, fingering weight uh, yarn. I'm using two skeins worth, so it's going to be a substantial, you know, two four-ounce skeins. I'm going to grab it, actually. Because in order to be a good podcaster, I should at least give you some information about what I'm making. So this, I'm half done. I'm into the second skein. This is out of Broadband Super Sock Self Striping. And it's Cherry Tree Hill. And it's 100% Superwash Merino with 100 grams in each each skein. And I'm, and it's a self-striping yarn. But it's it's not a gradient in that it doesn't transition gently from one to the next. It actually just... The brown ends and the blue begins, and then the blue ends and the green begins, and so it's pretty, pretty abrupt stripes, and I love them. And I'm now into, well, I'm I'm pretty I'm 
one, one, two, three, four, five colors. It transitions through, and I'm almost on the first color of the second skein. So that is that's that's this scarf project. And then what else? So I finished the the sweater that I can't really talk too much about because it was a test knit, and Hohi Locatelli is going to release the pattern. And so once she releases the pattern, then we can you know share pictures, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that was a lot of stockinette in dark gray yarn for an oversized sweater, which some people look really good in oversized baggy sweaters. I don't really, so I don't really know why I volunteered to test knit this. I made a boxy, which is also a hokey pattern, and it's super comfortable. I love it, but I look at myself in it, and I don't look as good as so many other people who who wear it. It looks kind of boxy on me, which there's no surprise. But so this new sweater is also kind of boxy on me. It doesn't do much to show off my figure, given that like I'm a little bit bottom heavy. So if I have something and it doesn't show my waist and it doesn't really show the, the curves, then it really, I just, I just look, it makes me look bigger than I am. I don't find it terribly flattering on me, but other people pull things off beautifully. So I, I'm now the proud owner of another shapeless <laughs> stockinette sweater that is going to be so comfortable, it'll be great. Told the, the Told the Fleece happened, uh, started just as I was finishing up in, in Haiti. For that, I started spinning, and I don't know the name of the fiber I should know it, but what happened was that I bought my spinning wheel maybe, how many years ago was it? It was quite a few years ago. Maybe four years ago, I bought my spinning wheel. Three and a half years ago. I think I bought it from the Woolery. With it came, I think it was from the Woolery. Anyways, I, I was given a $100 or $150 gift certificate to spend on fiber. It's a silk wool blend. It's in this wonderful, rich, jewel tone pinky purple color but I I just don't remember the, the anyways it's a sweater's worth at least and I spun that up during the Tour de Fleece and it ended up being I did a two ply and it ended up being maybe finished up as a somewhere between a sport and a DK weight my thought was to turn it into a sweater during the Olympics Except I got distracted because my boyfriend Eric proposed to me on my birthday, on July 25th. And he had this lovely, whole lovely proposal, and it was great, and blah, blah, blah. And then I started thinking of creative crafting ideas related to the wedding we're going to have in March. And I got a little distracted from the, from the sweater that I had planned to knit. And so I did not get as much knitting done. I didn't get any knitting done. I didn't even start a sweater out of the yarn that I had spun during the tour. Dad, so I didn't really do any Olympic knitting, per se. I, I was doing a lot of preliminary wedding planning. And that brings me to my next big project. And this is the one, this is the big, this is the epic project. If you're not familiar with Jewish weddings, although I think most people have at least seen a picture of a Jewish wedding, what happens during the wedding is that the, the bride and groom both walk down the aisle separately. Usually the groom, groom walks down first and the bride walks down after. They meet under what we call a chuppah, or a wedding canopy. The wedding canopy represents the new home that you're creating together. And it's this very beautiful image that you stand under there and your parents are also under there. 
your officiant, your rabbi or cantor is under there too, and you do the wedding ceremony in this structure. It can be just four poles that someone holds, or you can have four poles and stands, and then it's usually covered by a piece of cloth or by a prayer shawl or by ribbons or whatever it is, but it's usually a covered structure with open sides, and it represents the home that you're the new home that you're creating together. It can be very, very expensive to rent a chuppah. But I, of course, needed to do one myself. So I've ordered a a chuppah kit, which comes with basically four birch poles, four stands that you place the birch poles in so they stand upright, and four poles that go around to create a... They connect the four poles that go at the top. So you have something over which you can drape a fabric or a, a covering. I decided to knit my chuppah cover, which sounds great, except my chuppah is going to be eight feet by eight feet by eight feet, which is pretty big and pretty tall. And what it means is that I need to make a cover that is enough to cover an eight foot square, eight foot by eight foot square. What makes it a little more complicated is is that I want something that's draped. So I don't want it to just cover the top. I want it to cover and go over, spill over the sides a little bit. I want it to be something that people who aren't standing directly underneath it can still see and appreciate. So I decided to do something circular. To do a circular, basically a giant circular shawl that will drape over it. If you were to take, and this is where the math gets a little complicated, imagine you take a circle... And inside the circle, you draw a square. So, and the square connects at its four points to the circle. The diameter of the circle is not the distance from one, from one side of the square to the other. So it's not eight feet. The diameter is actually the distance diagonal across the square. That's the point that goes directly through the circle. So in order to figure out how big my circular cover needs to be, I actually, I did some triangle math. I used the Pythagoras theorem, theorem, the Pythagoras theorem. I'm sorry, all the math classes I've ever taken in my life were in French because I was in French immersion. And so I have a little bit of trouble sometimes translating math terms into English. But anyways, the theory, which is how to figure out the hypotenuse of a triangle. And I figured out the hypotenuse of my triangle, which represents the diameter of the circle I need. And it's 11.3 feet, (laughs) which I'm rounding up to 11.5 just to be safe. And I've started working on an 11.5 foot diameter circular pie shawl. So that's nice. I picked a pattern. I picked leaves of grass. Yes, it's Jared Flood. And it's both Jared Flood and Brooklyn Tweed. It's a beautiful pattern, but the flower in the middle is chart A. Chart B is a short, uh, it's a pie shawl. So there's a chart B, chart C, and chart D. If you've never knit a pie shawl, I had never knit a pie shawl before, and I'm still not done it. When you knit a pie shawl, basically, for every time you double the number of stitches, you have to double the number of rows that you do. I'll give you an example of, I'm going from chart C to chart D. Chart C had, let's say it had 200 stitches on the needles, which is not actually what it had, but let's say I had 200 stitches on the needles and I worked 40 40 rounds, 
when I move to chart D, I have to double the number of stitches, which so which would mean I would need 400 stitches, and also the double the number of rounds. So if I had said I worked 20 rounds, I don't even remember what I said, but let's say I worked 20 rounds, then when I when I work chart D, I have to work 40 rounds. So you double stitches, you double the number of rounds, and then once you reach that number of rounds, and you double the stitches, and you double the rounds again. So I've done chart A, chart B, chart C, which means in this pattern, I only have remaining chart D and the edging. But the issue is it's nowhere near big enough. Like not even close, not even, not even, not even close. I'm now improvising where I figured out the number of stitches I need and the number of rounds that I need. And I'm picking lace patterns that I like from other patterns that I've, you know, I'm taking one that's, I'm talking about Hohi a lot, but I'm taking one from another project of Cowl, a to infinity and beyond. And there's a an 13 stitch and eight round lace pattern there that I really liked. And so I'm, I'm doing that next and I'm going to repeat it many, many times until I reach the right size and then I'm going to so I'm going to keep doing this and I'm saving chart D because it's a it's a bigger stitch pattern it's knit over 20 something 20 something stitches so it's it gets the impression that it's it's big it's it's kind of a larger scale lace pattern and so because of that I want it closer to the outside so I'm saving chart D until I feel like I'm getting close enough to reaching the 11 feet I am knitting this out of a silk alpaca blend and it's a weaving yarn that I got from, it's something like 11-2, something like that. It's a, it's a Valley Yarns yarn, uh, which is webstheyarn.com. It's a lace weight yarn, but lace weight is just simply too thin for me to get an 11 and a half foot diameter circle out of in, you know, with my sanity. So I'm adding twist to it on my spinning wheel. I'm taking the single, I'm adding twist. And then I'm plying two strands together so that I end up with a double thickness yarn, which is working out to probably a sport weight yarn. I was aiming for fingering weight. It's probably heavy fingering or light sport, maybe more like a sport weight yarn. It's okay. It's it's not as delicate looking as it would have been if I had worked with just a, a lace weight, but also it's growing a lot faster than it would have had I worked with only lace weight. So... I'm calling it as the Epic Hoopa Project, although it's going quickly now. Obviously, every time you double your stitches, it takes twice as long to get around. I've been previously able to do about 16 rows in an evening while I was doing working on chart C. So now that I've moved on to the next, the next double, I've moved on to what is my first of the extra charts. It's probably, I'm probably only going to be able to do fewer than eight rounds in an evening, which means that it's going to be a little slow going. But that's what knitting is, and we like knitting, right? Right. I think I'm going to leave it at that for now in terms of talking about my knitting and my spinning and what I've been up to. We'll take a little break. You can listen to music for a few seconds, and then when I come back, we will do a book review or two. So two weekends ago, I was headed to the Twist Festival, and it's in the province of Quebec in on, in Canada, and somewhere between Ottawa and Montreal, I understand. 
and I was going to drive up from New York. I bought a car recently. Did I tell you that? Did I mention that in my intro? Well, anyways, I bought a car. My boss was leaving to go on his next assignment. He was selling his car, and I bought it. The price was right, so I had a car, and I thought this would be a great opportunity to take that car that I had just bought and drive it up to Ottawa to meet my friend Shang, and then for the two of us to go together to the Twist Festival. So, I left work a couple minutes early on, it was a Friday, on the Friday, I packed up my car, and I got on the road, and everything's going well, I'm cruising along, it's a long drive, but I was doing okay for time, and then suddenly things didn't start, started going so the things didn't feel right. Now this is a, a stick shift. It's an auto. It's a manual car, and while I know how to drive a manual, I'm less experienced. I wasn't entirely sure what was happening, and I think someone with more experience might have understood faster. But essentially, the car slowed and slowed and slowed until it stopped in the right-hand lane on a busy highway. That was no fun. I was stuck. I couldn't move forward. I couldn't move anything. The motor would go, but the uh, the wheels weren't turning. I had my dog with me and my car full of full of stuff that I had to drop off in Ottawa. Nothing was moving. So I waited a few minutes and I I called my mom and I called my former boss actually because I thought maybe he would have an idea of what was going on and I called Eric. I spoke to Melanie on the phone and all of this is happening and in the meantime I'm sitting in the middle of traffic and you know it's it's unsafe really and also I I was the cause of a um, a big highway traffic jam eventually a state trooper pulled up and he was he was kind of funny he was very helpful in that he called the tow truck for me it turns out though that he told the tow truck that I was at in the wrong spot he he gave the tow company the wrong information. So he came and he left and then time passed and more time passed and more time passed. Eventually a highway emergency something patrol, a highway emergency patrol came by and asked me if I was okay. And I said, yeah. And that a, someone was coming, that a tow truck was supposed to be coming, but it was taking a while. And I gave him the card of the company for the tow truck that had supposedly been called. So this guy was great. He called the tow truck company. Turns out that they had been gone to the wrong location, so they came out again. They came to get me. They towed my car to the nearest town and to a body shop. Not a body shop, a repair shop there. In the meantime, Eric had arranged for his dad to come and pick me up. I was probably about an hour out of the way, but I was stuck. So it was very helpful that he came and picked me up. So we emptied my car and filled his car and then he drove me all the way to Metro North, and then I was able to take the train back. I had just a few items with me. Most of it I left in his car. Once I got to the city, I arrived at the Metro North station, which is a train station, if you're not familiar with it. And it's across town and about 30 blocks up from where I live. I got in a taxi and put my my suitcase in the trunk and I had with me my dog and my dog's bed and a bag and my purse climbed into the back and I was heading back and everything was going well going well as well as it could be I thought it was going pretty poorly because I had just abandoned this trip to Ottawa that I was taking and I was pretty disappointed about that and I had an expensive car repair bill in my future 
but okay, I was safe. I was headed home. I get out. Once we reach my destination, I pay the taxi driver in cash, tip him, pull out my dog, pull out the dog bed, pull out my bag, pull out my purse, and then wave goodbye to the taxi driver without even thinking that I still had my suitcase in the trunk. And in my suitcase was my knitting. There was my not-so-inexpensive hair straightener and was my laptop. I noticed maybe an hour after I got home that indeed, yes, I was missing other than my dog the most and my purse. And so I suppose the third most important item that I had been traveling with. But I had no receipt because I had paid cash and I didn't remember the gentleman's name. And I didn't remember, I knew what color cab it was. But beyond that, I didn't know his, I don't know what they call it, the license number or the, the registration number or anything like that. So this was on Friday still. I called and I made a report with the taxi commission. And I was pretty pretty certain that it was going to be impossible. Because how are they going to track down a taxi when all I can do is tell him, the, you know, approximately how much I spent, where he picked me up, where he dropped me off, and the color of his taxi. And there are thousands and thousands of taxis in New York City. So they give me a number to call back to check up on. And a police lost and found number to call just in case it it were submitted at the police station. The next day I call, feeling pretty desperate, and indeed, no, no sign of it. Sunday I call, no, no sign of it. You know, at this point I'm thinking, well, if the taxi driver, surely the taxi driver's submitted it, or surely the taxi driver has found it, and if it hasn't been submitted yet, then it was a, pretty much a goner. Monday I called, and... No, no sign of it. It's not even in the system at this point. Tuesday I call and I got the right guy on the phone because he started doing some detective work and he was asking me when I got dropped off and when I got picked up and he was checking the different fares that were in the system and approximately how much did I pay and he had to go. He had to take another call and he hadn't been able to find it but he was going to pass it off to his colleague and then half an hour later, his colleague called me and said, yes, we found the bag and we spoke to the driver and he has it. Here's his phone number. Here's his name and his taxi number. And go ahead. You can arrange to get your bag. This was on Tuesday. How many days after I had lost my bag? And he had it and he returned it to me and it was untouched. I gave him a tip for his for his honesty and for his time and effort. I have my suitcase. Now, I still don't have my car. I'm still doing a little shopping around to see if I can find a, a good price at a reputable place to get it fixed because the place who the place where they towed it, they tried to charge me probably close to double what it should cost. Maybe not quite double, but not so far from double what it should cost. So I am now, with my mom's help, because she knows more about the cars than I do, doing a little shopping around to try to identify where I can get this fixed. So all this to say, I didn't make it to the Twist Yarn Festival, but what I did do was get a lot of knitting done for the rest of that weekend. I And I was, I got sick the next day also, so I had a cold and I was feeling pretty sorry for myself and pretty miserable, and so I used that as a chance to sit and watch TV and knit. In the end, I made good progress on the chuppah. That was not so bad, but the the whole experience of... I still don't have my car back, but of breaking my car and then losing my bag and missing the uh, 
missing the the trip and etc etc it was pretty unpleasant but happy ending all is well Today I'm going to be reviewing 150 Scandinavian motifs by the Knitter's Dictionary by Mary Jane Mucklestone, published 2013 by Quarto Inc. There's no price listed on here, and it's also published in North America by Interweave. The book is divided into three main sections, which is Essential Skills, a motif directory which includes actual size photos, black and white charts, color chart and a color variation chart. And then there are projects at the end. So there are over 150 Scandinavian motifs, which are essentially color work motifs, stars, trees, animals, flowers, and geometric patterns. Section one is essential skills. Many of these I think are unnecessary, like the different types of needles and how to read a ball band. The thing is, though, if I'm knitting these more complex color work patterns, or if I or someone else is picking up this book and hoping to knit a more complicated color work pattern, you probably already know that information. And so I didn't find that to be particularly helpful or a particular good use of space in the book. The other skills and info, such as how to manage floats, yarn dominance, and color theory may be much more interesting and certainly will be more useful to me than the uh, essential skills and techniques that they go through at the beginning. Some of the projects include a pincushion, mittens, a winter hat, a geometric cowl that I particularly love. This is overall a good resource, particularly for people who like to design patterns or to substitute new colorwork designs in pre-existing patterns. So if you, say, have a colorwork sweater, but you don't want to do the colorwork that's already, that's written in the pattern, you can sub out something with a similar stitch count. This is a technique technique and motif book, not a book of projects and patterns for full garments. So that's something to keep in mind. Overall, I think I'm happy to have this in my library. It's probably not something that I would have chosen for myself and purchased, but I'm certainly not unhappy to have it. The patterns in here are perhaps a little bit old-fashioned looking. I don't see much in here that I would call cute, although some of the animals here are pretty cute. But there's nothing cutesy. Certainly there's a lot in here to work with, and if you're interested in doing some more traditional Scandinavian knit patterns, then this would be an excellent resource for you. Butterfly in the sky, I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's in a book, a reading rainbow. And ways to grow a reading rainbow. I can be anything. Take a look, it's in a book. A reading rainbow. So, Mom. Yes. Deborah was going to record this podcast, but. She went on a road trip, and it was only half done. And so? And so since it's, um, I think it's five days after she, she recorded her segment, so my voice is back. 
I'm back from Edinburgh. I have a bit more time. I'm slightly less tired. And so I thought it would be nice and relaxing to have you read us all a story. I love reading stories. And this is a story that Mum hasn't actually seen yet. No, and I do much better when I see a story in advance. I just thought <laughs> that given my current mood, this story would be something we would all enjoy. It's from Grimm's Fairy Tales, and it is called... Wait, here, I'll give it to you. And I have the, the little bird is here also listening, and it's me and the bird and Mom and the story. Okay, go ahead, Mom. The Death of the Little Hen by Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm. Are you going to do it in a German accent? I can't do German accents. Okay, I can. Would you like to read no, the no, story? No, 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 I want you to read the story. Okay. I don't know why she hasn't let me see it in advance. It's, it's, I think you'll object to it if you see it in advance. I see. Okay. One time, the little hen and the little rooster went to Nut Mountain, and they agreed that whoever would find a nut would share it with the other one. That's really nice of them. I think so, too. Okay, sorry. Keep reading. Now the little hen found a large, large nut, but wanting to eat the kernel by herself, she said nothing about it. However, the kernel was so thick that she could not swallow it down. It got stuck in her throat, and fearing that she would choke to death, she cried out, Little rooster, I beg you to run as fast as you can to the well and get me some water, or else I'll choke to death. The little rooster ran to the well as fast as he could and said, Well, give me some water, for the little hen is lying on Nut Mountain. She swallowed a large nut kernel and is about to choke to death on it. The well answered, First run to the bride and get some red silk from her. The little rooster ran to the bride. Bride, give me some red silk and I'll give the red silk to the well and the well will give me some water and I will take the water to the little hen who is lying on Nut Mountain. She swallowed a large nut kernel and is about to choke to death on it. The bride answered, First, run and get my wreath. It got caught on a willow branch. So the little rooster ran to the willow and pulled the wreath from its branch and took it to the bride, and the bride gave him some red silk, which he took to the well, which gave him some water, and the little rooster took the water to the little hen. But when he arrived... She had already choked to death, <laughs> and she lay there dead and did not move at all. For children. This is a children's it's story. It's a children's story. I know. Okay, let's part two. The little rooster was so sad that he cried aloud, and all the animals came to mourn for the little hen. Six mice built a small carriage, which was to carry the little hen to her grave. Love this children's story. I know. When the carriage was finished, they hitched themselves to it, and the little rooster drove. On the way, they met the fox. Where are you going, little rooster? I'm going to bury my hen. May I ride along? Yes, but you must sit at the rear because my little horses don't like you too close to the front. So he sat at the rear, and then the wolf, the bear, the elk, the lion, and all the animals in the forest, 
They rode on until they came to a brook. How can we get across? said the little rooster. A straw was lying there next to the brook, and he said, I'll lay myself across, and you can drive over me. But just as the six mice got onto the straw, it slipped into the water, and the six mice all fell in and drowned. Great kid story. They did not know what to do until a coal came along and said, I am large enough. I will lay myself across, and you can drive over me. So the coal lay itself across the water, but unfortunately it touched the water, hissed, and went out, and it was dead. A stone saw this happen, and wanting to help the little rooster, it laid itself across the water. The little rooster pulled the carriage himself. He nearly reached the other side with the dead little hen, but there were too many others seated on the back of the carriage, and the carriage rolled back, and they all fell into the water and drowned. Now the little rooster was all alone with the dead little hen. He dug a grave for her and laid her inside. Then he made a mound on top and sat on it and grieved there so long that he too died. And then everyone was dead. <laughs> the end. The end. Do you like the story, Ma? <laughs> what? I must admit that reading this story to your children is tantamount to child abuse. <laughs> I think it's a great story. If you were reading this to a child, um, what is the lesson that it brings home? Don't be greedy. Oh, if you're greedy, everybody else around you dies. Dies. They all die. Okay. If you're greedy, your mom's gone, your dad's gone, your friends are gone, everybody's your gone. Your coal is gone, your little straw is gone. I know, your stone is gone. Like, everything's gone. The stone actually did okay. No, the stone did okay. The yeah. pretty much just the stone. So, um, how are we going to relate this to knitting? <laughs> I just don't have anything on that. And neither do I. Oh, well, we tried. A reading rainbow. A reading rainbow. A reading So, Mom, what have you been up to? I've been working in a garden outside. Mm-hmm. Yes, I had a large blue spruce tree taken out. It was taller than our two-story house. It died. No, it didn't. But I, mean, I had it, it chopped down anyways because I was worried that, uh, mm-hmm. although it was beautiful, I was worried that if it was hit by lightning, it would fall into our house or the neighbor's house and... and um, Wreak havoc. And there would be so much damage. And as we mentioned on the last podcast, the whole hit by lightning thing is it not... It actually happened. It actually happened. So that was not... Uh, that was not... So it was quite propitious yes, that I had the tree propitious. taken down. Yes. Yes, because the house was hit by lightning and my, uh, my, electronic, my electronic equipment was fried... And you still don't, it, you talked about that ages ago, and I think that was the last time I managed to get yeah, a podcast it was, out. It was over a month. That, yeah, that sorry, guys. So I finally, was really busy. Finally, I've bought a computer, but it hasn't come yet. And I've bought a printer, and it won't be until next week. And I'm at loose ends without good equipment. But we we cannot we can still podcast. We can podcast, and so so. In oh. the area where the tree was taken down, did we talk about this last we time? We talked about the lightning, but that's it. No, okay. So in the area where the tree was taken down was huge, in the middle of not a very large front lawn. 
and it was um it was like a having a filled in crater in the middle of the lawn so i hired someone to come and turn it into a garden for me and i have been going crazy buying perennials i i usually love the annuals the she usually does annuals. go crazy by buying annuals i know but this year i am taken to perennials i'm hoping for a garden that will be low maintenance but i can't seem to stop so i'm either buying perennials or finding them in weedy parts of another garden and moving them and now even though i've got all these new perennials in my new garden in the front I have a mass of other perennials that have to be planted somewhere. So are you going to do the thistle thing again? <laughs> My thistle so, is beautiful. Okay, we spent, this is a few years ago, we spent how long clearing all the thistles out of the garden? Oh, Canada forever. thistle is a real problem in this area. Yeah, not beautiful thistle like in Scotland. No, they're, the, they're, they're down on the ground and you can't walk barefoot on your grass because so you're... The you point is, we cleared them. It took days and hours and weeks it took probably a few hours but we got them all out we dug them out the garden was ready to plant we went to the garden store and mom picked a special plant it was a perennial and i was excited it was in an area for an area where it could be quite shady yes and i had chosen that little spot yes and we put it in this area that had been cleared of all thistles and and it's a globe thistle. <laughs> and it is thriving wonderfully. Yes, because it's a weed. It's a perennial weed. It's beautiful. It has I bought it because it has these tall stalks that come up and have purple globes on top. Like Which, a thistle. Like well the leaves are thistle like. You know, we could take a picture. You could have have it put on the podcast page and people could see it. I could take a picture of any thistle. No, it doesn't look like any thistle. It's a very special thistle. But it is ironic that of all the the perennials that I bought that year, it would be the thistle that that um, that grew so well. So I've been um, overseas, Mum. And what have you been doing while I've been gone? Buying perennials. No, right. <laughs> right. Any... I have been doing no crafting. Oh. I have... A huge list of responsibilities and I've got things I need to do. One would think that in the summer things would calm down, but things got crazier with things got crazier after the the lightning strike and and coping with people coming in and trying to decide what they're going to cover and what they're not going to cover and what they'll replace and then decisions to be made. So you haven't been knitting and you haven't been crocheting. I haven't been, but I've been feeling very guilty about it. Does that count at all? Yes. I I sent you a crochet pattern the other day. Did you see it? It was actually quite pretty. Oh, it was in a text message. It was. And it said, this is really pretty. You should make it. Yes. I just, I didn't have a chance to add, you should make it for me. Oh, that's what it was for. That was No, I only saw the little picture and I didn't, didn't make it bigger so I could actually see what it was. It doesn't even look like crochet. I wonder what it is. It's crochet. My friend Allie was making it when I was with her, and it's actually really, really pretty. So we're gonna. We'll t- Do you send it to me? Send I sent it to, it to me you. on the phone. I did. Okay, we can talk, and I'll I'll pull it up. So, um, all right. I've been in Scotland. I guess I'll talk about that briefly. Wait, I did- wait, wait. You've been in Scotland. What's your brogue like? Not that good. And I managed to throw in a bit of a few Scottish phrases when I was there, probably to the amusement of everybody. But <laughs> such as. We 
My little wee bird right now is pecking up my hair. Right, little wee bird? Ow! She spit my ear. Your little wee bird had an adventure today. Uh, we put her cage outside because she was looking all wistfully at the window. And it didn't, she, she didn't like it. She was not a happy bird being outside in her cage. So she's back in and being super clingy and a little bitey. There, mom has just brought up the shawl. Oh, shell stitches? I don't. I think it's prettier all in one color, personally. It doesn't look like a granny square, even. Most of what I crochet does not look like a no, granny No, most square. of what you crochet doesn't. But I'm just saying and that... Yet, you know... And yet I make fun of you anyway. I know you do. I understand the appeal of the granny squares because they work up so quickly. And because of the different pockets... Um, the spaces between the crocheted squares in a granny square, it, it holds a lot of heat. Oh, really? Yeah. Is this scientifically proven? No, but I suspect that's what it would be. Oh. Anyways. Yeah, that's nice. That doesn't look like it would be difficult to well, make. Well, there's oh, the instructions. Got, you do it all from a chart. Okay. No, you don't necessarily do it all from a chart. Oh, they, oh it's... They've done both. Ah, uh, Right. Right. See, okay. you could do it. No, these are the instructions. It makes a here. shawl. You should ten, and you set up rows, and you chain ten. And I don't know. On the setup ch- row, blah 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 blah. Yes, you have to know how to read these. Yeah. No, well, you don't because you don't crochet. Uh, anyway, so you haven't done any crocheting while I was gone. I haven't, and I'm feeling. I. Uh, it's September the first, and you know what I'm feeling today. I'm feeling as Itchy. if I failed. Wait. What? I failed. You failed doing what? Because I had a goal for myself. And this is the You were going to finish a blanket, weren't you? I was going to put together a blanket. No, 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 but mom, mom, you said by the end of summer. Summer ends on the 21st of November. No, September. September. (laughs) So you have time. You've got 20 days. The 21st of September has not come yet. That is true. Summer is not over. That is true. I could put together... Something. You could. One of the Afghans. Do you know which one you would put together? I should really finish the one I, I gave to Savvy Bro for his birthday the end of last October. As in, you gave it to him, but you didn't I gave it give to it, him. it to him. I gave it to him, but I hadn't done the uh, border. Right. So I need to do the border. But yes, I know which one I would put together if I were putting one together. Well, are you entering any of the Rhinebeck? I'm you not going to be going to Rhinebeck this year. Are you sure? I don't think I can make it. Either way, you could enter something in the competition. I could. If I finished the one that I'm thinking about, then I would put that in. It would be quite striking. Well, then you need to get on it. (sighs) Audible sigh. Well. And so what have you been up to? You, I don't know that you've been actually knitting much, but you've been... I lost the knitting and it got found. I had my knitting with me. And I left it at a knitting store, and then I got found. I bought, um, I bought some knitting. I bought two Shetland hats. Oh, they're so cute! I know. Tell the story about the woman who made well, them. Well, I was hoping to go and actually interview um, Kathy from Kathy's Knits. I bought them from Kathy's Knits, and they're these Shetland hats that are made from a woman, I guess, who lives in an old folks' home in the middle of nowhere in Scotland. And her daughter comes in and buys her the colors, and she she's always knit Shetland hats, and she's I think she's eighty nine. And she knits these hats, and the store sells them now and then, and she gets money from the hats. And they're so beautiful. They're so beautiful. And they're traditional Shetland 
patterns. Aren't they, they are. They have one. They actually they both have the star on the top, and they're beautiful, beautiful and color work all the way around. Yep. And Not as necessarily complicated as some of the Shetland hats, but I also like. I really like them. They're still complicated enough. Oh yes. And I think they're they were a really good souvenir. And my fall wardrobe, all it needs now are pants and underwear. And then I'm set. Because you bought yourself a coat that matches oh, one of the hats. I, I guess it's wool. Like I, Yes, I bought a purple coat at a charity shop. Now, if you go to the UK, they have these charity shops there which sell used clothing and things. But um, usually you go, they're usually on a high street. So you go to one of the main streets and they have six or seven of these on the same street. And the stuff is often really nice. Um, I've got, I bought some beautiful things at charity shops. So I bought this coat, unworn wool coat in this. It's kind of a heathery purple. Heathery purple. And it was 10 pounds and it's absolutely perfect. And one of those Shetland hats match it. And I bought, I bought at this, if you ever go to Scotland, go to Ness. It's this store. I guess it's sort of like Forever 21 Scotland, but it has nice things for people over 21. It has beautiful skirts, and I bought this pleated skirt there. I am I am so ready. I am so ready, except I have nowhere really to, to wear these things. But in theory, I am so ready for fall, which it isn't yet, so you have time to finish your oh, afghan. I have time to do an afghan. Um, my trip was, it was a good trip. I didn't podcast much during the, I meant to, and then I didn't. It was, it's weird how it works. At the beginning, I was somewhat full of energy. I thought, okay, I going to Paris for a couple days uh, yay and I'm going to Scotland and it's going to be so much fun and then within I think within five days of being at the festival I was just counting the seconds till I could be back in a bed so I maybe was a little tired starting this festival and it just went downhill from there so there was no energy at all to podcast at all and you've been back here for, what, two full days? Three, I think. Maybe two. Three. About two and a half, three days. I don't know. And when it gets to about eight four. o'clock at night, <laughs> four in the afternoon, you, so you've tired. had it. So it's been a long summer. It's not over yet. In a week, I, I do want to talk more about Scotland, but maybe I'll do that on the next. Well, I can talk about it now. It went well. I went well. I did two shows a day. I did Opera Mouse, my Opera Mouse show, and I did... P.F. and Brell, The Impossible Concert, uh, my P.F. and Brell show. And the P.F. and Brell show sold out the run. The whole run. The That's whole run. Every single performance every single was ticket a full for, house. Yes. And on some of them, you had to allow somebody to sit beside the tech yeah, person. Yeah, and at a lot of them, people were turned away, which makes me feel sort of bad because often older people come out and this is their day out. and then, But but um, uh, there was nothing I could do about that. There was It's... But the show did really well. Both of them got four-star reviews across the board, which is really good. Again, for Edinburgh, people tend to review low. So four-star review is often like a five-star review. Yay. Your Opera Mouse got reviewed a lot. It got a five or I think six six four-star reviews for Opera Mouse. I know. And and even when you would call me and say, you know, the performance was a bit of a hot mess. No, I said the performance was a two-star. What am I going to do with this review coming out? Yeah, and you said, you'd say, oh, there were only toddlers there. There were only toddlers there. And and they're just, you know, they they don't interact. They They didn't interact. They they, rolled on the floor and ate their programs. (laughs) And yet, the reviews were glowing, 
And whatever you did to try to engage these toddlers worked because all of the reviews said something very positive about how you got them involved. So even though it felt like it was hard work for you and it wasn't working, an observer or somebody with a, a child would say, gee, this was great. Well, I'm, I'm really Congratulations. glad. Well, thank you. I'm glad people liked it. I got a lot of potential bookings out of it that I, I will talk about, I guess, as soon as they're confirmed. There is one confirmed booking. I'm performing in New York. Yay, I'm performing in New, New York, York, both correct. shows beginning of uh, beginning of October. October, right before Rhinebeck. So if you're coming to New York before Rhinebeck, you could come see my shows. Yay! Very exciting. Yes, that also means I am going to Rhinebeck, since I will be in the neighborhood of there. Will you wear a Shetland hat? You know, I probably will wear a Shetland hat. It depends. It depends. Uh, Did you take the passerine hat with you, the one with the sparrows? I did, but I didn't... Actually, maybe I'll wear that. That's what I'll wear at Rhinebeck. I didn't take it... I took it last trip, but I didn't take it this trip. It's ah, upstairs. I was wondering if it got no. lost No, the knitting. No. It didn't make it home. It's up... The knitting did make it home. I, know I found it, it. No, no, it did not... I didn't bring it this time because I didn't want it to get lost. Because there were too many important things with props and things I had to keep my eye on. And I didn't want to lose the hat you made for me. So, I guess that's it for now. Um, we, we have another sort of, we have a pod, we have a secret thing we have to go work on now that we can't talk about just yet. That is true. So we are going to talk about it on the next podcast, but it's due today. So we need to get on it. We certainly do. Okay. On we go. On we go. It's neat and it's sweet. It's a ding dong treat. It's soft for little feet. with your knitting all day long. It's friendly and it's fun. Kittens good for everyone, and that is why we sing this kitten song. With kitten one, pearl two, what's a dozer gonna do with a gall? Darn, ball yarn, and stitch three, drop four, pitch that mitten out the door right now. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Savvy Girls Podcast. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us through our website at www.savvygirls.ca. That's S-A-V-V-Y-G-I-R-L-S dot C-A. You can also find us on Ravelry under the Savvy Girls Podcast. I'm on Ravelry as Savvy Girl Deborah, and Melanie is Savvy Girl Melanie. If you'd like to find me on Twitter, I'm Savvy.Girl.Debra. We're on... Nope, that was on Instagram. If you want to find us on Twitter, it's Savvy Girls PCAST. And on Facebook, it's Savvy Girls Podcast. And that pretty much covers it. Thank you so much for tuning in. More in our next episode. And in the meantime, tend to your knitting, kitten.